Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, and I'm your host of The Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today is Diana Igascu. She is the president of the Virginia chapter of the National Organization for Women. Now, good afternoon, Diana. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Orlando. Well, I mean, I'm <laughs> sorry. That's all right. I your, your name runs off my tongue there. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, Diana Igascu, we should uh, give a little more information. As a Fredericksburg now president, her chapter restarted the fight for the Equal Rights Amendment. And I know, sadly... A lot of you young women don't even know what that is, and a lot of you older men think it uh, was passed a long time ago. Well, indeed, it did pass the Congress, but it needs to be ratified by at least three more states. We'll get into that, the election 2016, and what's been going on with the NOW conference in D.C., June 24th through the 27th. But let's first, let's hear from you, Diana Igascu. What's on your mind? (laughs) God, there's so many things that are going on anymore. I just wanted to say that this had been our 50th birthday uh-huh. in June, and we are the oldest women's rights organization in the United States. The League of Women Voters is older than us, but they only do voting rights and redistricting. Mm-hmm. We help them with those things, and those are on our plate, along with immigrants. Uh, we are part of a women's equality coalition in Virginia, which deals with many, many things. Uh, we put separate caps on for, for different things like immigrants and abortion and uh, Latino rights and, oh, my gosh, I can't, uh, can't even think of all the things mm. we do. Uh, trap laws. Tell us about the oh. trap laws. I'm, I'm not certain everyone knows what they are. Uh, the trap laws are the, are the things that passed in Virginia a few years ago when mm-hmm. we had the transvaginal ultrasound fight. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And the TRAP laws, it stands for Targeted Regulations Against Providers. And the providers are the abortion clinics mm-hmm. and, um, say, like Planned Parenthood and independent clinics. Yes. And they um, 
have they start they pass regulations about having wider hallways and have to, having to have the same uh, rules as hospitals, mm-hmm. which was totally unfair because when they made new hospital rules in 1954, they grandfathered in all the old hospitals that were already there uh. who did not match those standards until they could uh, fix themselves or rebuild a hospital. Mm-hmm. In the state of in Virginia, there has never been anyone die from an abortion since they allowed abortions at Roe v. Wade. Mm. Um, Sure, there were lots of women who died of abortion at back alley abortions and taking care of themselves at home and drinking things that shouldn't have been drunk. Mm -hmm. And so uh, since then, we've had nothing. So the Supreme Court said that the state of Texas, who brought the suit, saying, well, they, the federal government brought the suit against Texas, saying their laws infringed on Roe v. Wade. And the Supreme Court found that that was very true, that mm-hmm. their guise of health of women, for the health of women they had made these new rules, was just a camouflage to prevent abortion. Sure. It- so since, since Virginia has those rules, in September, the, the uh, Virginia Health Department, Board of Health, was going to meet anyways and talk about revising what they'd already done. Mm-hmm. And now that the Supreme Court is, has upheld the decision in the lower courts, then now we have we probably will have to get rid of the trap laws. Ah, uh-huh. You know, at best, this is a zigzag, you know what I mean? And the Supreme mm-hmm. Court, you just don't know one, one second they seem to be thinking forward, and then then Rogers and Alito get their turn, I guess. I don't know. But I'd like to say that my experience, now I'm a left-of-center liberal Democrat, so I, of course my position comes from that, but I feel like now the National Organization for Women, and certainly you and the uh, other women I know who in different organizations who've been fighting for the Equal Rights Amendment and the Equal Rights for for Women, Equal Citizenship, even though... Uh, the Equal Rights Amendment itself does not make women superior to men, doesn't try to. It just says everybody should be equal. But my point I'm getting to uh, that I want to ask you about now seems to always be progressing forward. It is a progressive organization, and yet it always reaches out for bipartisan cooperation. And ERA in particular has support for bipartisan support in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Tell us a bit about that Richmond history, if you will. Well, in the, in the, back in the 1980s and 70s, when they were, the ERA was passed in 1972, and it was the final deadline they put on it was 1982. And during that time frame, uh, the... It was very bipartisan because now itself was started by both Republican and Democratic women. Yes. And and uh, through the 70s, the both parties had it in in, in their um, convention platforms. Mm-hmm. And then, and when Reagan ran in 1980, he made the Republicans take it out. Mm. So then the Republican women started drifting away because they were. Oh, what would you say? Told to, shunned, mm. or, or afraid to say that uh, they couldn't go with the Dems, they couldn't become independent. Sure. Today, today we're seeing a lot of them just hide what they actually vote 
or they actually became independents, or they have come over. I have friends who used to be Republicans yes. who are now Democrats. Mm-hmm. So, and, and mostly it has to do with women's rights and abortion and all the things that affect women. Uh, many think that the 14th Amendment took care of that, but uh, tell us about the 14th Amendment and women. Uh, the 14th Amendment was written, if you watch the movie Lincoln, yes. Lincoln in the movie Lincoln, they, they were debating the 14th Amendment, and someone, and it was filmed in the Virginia House. Someone said, oh, we need to give black men the right to vote. Mm-hmm. And, and someone stood up and said, oh, if we do that, women won't be here asking. And every, all the men started screaming and yelling, no, no. Yes. So I, I told my husband that, oh, my God, nothing changes in Virginia all these 200 <laughs> years. So the 14th Amendment, that's what the Republicans are using to say that it's we already have those rights. Yes. But Antonin Scalia, two years ago in a California law review, said that, that we do not have those rights. That Women do not. Until we get ERA, there's no apparatus to give us in the courts strict scrutiny like any race laws. Mm-hmm. So until we get that, we don't have the, the court's purview. It's very important because in strict scrutiny, you can say, let's say we went after Walmart again. Yes. And those 106 women who lost because we didn't have the ERA, they would can, can say Walmart discriminated against me and Walmart would have to prove that they didn't discriminate and have to pay for the case. When you don't have strict scrutiny, they as plaintiffs had to prove that Walmart did discriminate and Walmart can hire the best lawyers in the world and keep you sure. sitting there forever. So they benefit from the fact there's no ERA. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there just seems to be, an, and and let, let's be clear that when you say we, you're talking about women. Women are not... To be clear with everyone, women are not constitutionally, not in the Constitution, the law of the land, equal American citizens, not equal to men. And the absence of that in the Constitution, which is what we want with Equal Rights Amendment to amend the Constitution so we have it, but the absence of it, which is where we are now, while the women have been given the right to vote... It affects everything. We know about uh, income disparity. Well, those things are all uh, allowable because there's no nothing in the Constitution that says, by law, women are equal citizens. Is that too much of an overstatement, Diana? Not really. The only right we have in the Constitution is the 19th Amendment, which gave us the right to vote in 1920. Yes. So we're almost 100 years from that. So the League of Women Voters will be celebrating their 100th birthday at Mm. that very juncture when they were formed after the right to vote passed. Mm -hmm. But we have no other rights in the Constitution. And as one young lieutenant in the Army told me, that her gun under the Second Amendment has more rights than she does. So we have all these bills. Young women think that the ERA passed. Even older women I talked to at the polls who moved into Virginia from a northern state or a western state that passed mm. it. They think it passed back when their state passed it. So they're appalled at the fact that they've moved into a state that is so unprogressive. Mm-hmm. This is where we stand. Um, we have lots of laws that give us rights, and we settled for those after the Equal Rights Amendment didn't pass. Mm-hmm. And the, the guys the, in the Congress used those laws to keep us from pushing for another Equal Rights Amendment. Yes. 
so they stand, but a law can be taken away tomorrow, as we've seen that the states have done with Roe v. Wade. Yes. A law can be taken away, but the, the amendment can't unless you go through the whole process again, like they did with pro- Prohibition. Exactly. You know, uh, you mentioned the Army. I know you were an Army brat, you call yourself, and an Army wife. And so teach I was an Air Force brat and an Army wife. Ah, different, okay. Different, different thing. <laughs> yes. My father served in both the Air Force and the Army, and, and you're now only the second person I ever met that does that, or did that. But, uh, but you were a teacher as well, and you have a B.S. in education and a master's in geography, and uh, you're contemplating a Ph.D., and you've been the president of the uh, Virginia now for seven years. So in that time, the Virginia State Assembly has at least one of the two houses, and they've switched off, haven't they, from time to time? One of the two houses has passed to ratify uh, the Equal Rights Amendment, but the other house hasn't. So it's been bouncing back and forth. Most of the time, it's the state senators but what is it? What is what's what's up with that? I mean, what's the Republican resistance? What what's their justification? Do they offer an, a reason? Well, in the 1970s, it was totally the House that passed it constantly. Mm-hmm. Never could get it through the Senate. And now, if we can get it through the Senate, we've done it five out of six years. One year we didn't do it uh-huh. because we were advised that that the, the Republican senators who had taken control. We're not going to pass it. And if you die in the Senate, the tradition is that you don't come up again for years. But if mm. you die in the House, you can come back every year. It's no big deal. So we can't get it through the House because of two gentlemen in the, in the House, mm-hmm. the Speaker of the House and Mark Cole, who's the head of the Privileges and Elections Committee yes. in the House. And they're both from Fredericksburg. One of them is, is my representative. Oh, my God. And he won't talk to me about it at all. Not at all. They both say it's dead, that the time limit is restricted it. But we've had two decisions in the state of Virginia, one from Governor Gilmore when he was attorney general that said it is not dead mm-hmm. legally. And Mark Herring has said it's not dead. He said it in the last session. So their, their reasons stand on no particular thing, except they are trying to keep it from, from passing, period. I think that if it might come to the floor in the House, we might get a close vote, maybe not pass, but we might pass. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Republicans are becoming aware that women are voting against them in the state of Virginia. Yes. So they may change their mind, but... They get lots and lots of money, I should say, from certain places mm-hmm. that do not want this to pass, that, that discriminate against us, and that includes insurance companies mm-hmm. who charge us more yes. for insurance and who do not want to pay for all of our female things. We always have to, in the state, because we do not have Medicare, we did not accept Obamacare, you have to have separate riders on your policies to get any a kind of abortion care or even birth control. The state does not guarantee you have a right to birth control. It wouldn't pass that bill three years ago. You, you know, I, I, I try. I really do try. Uh, I mean, I've tried to listen to Rush Limbaugh, you know. I try to hear the other side and figure out if I can find some logic that I could address at the very least. 
But it seems to me, and not just in the Commonwealth of Virginia, but I've had a lot of members of the General Assembly as guests, and it just seems to me that to say there's simply a, a good old boys sort of let's keep them in their place, as disgusting as that sounds, I think it goes beyond that. It sounds like there's money to be made off of women and, you know, from everything of uh, a beauty products, but... I must confess, and I think I told you the other day on radio, I had no idea that there was a tax on uh, female products like tampons until my wife told me, just I was prepping to to interview you, as a matter of fact, on on my other radio show, and I was ticking off the various things, and she says, well, make certain you ask her about taxing female products. And I went, what do you mean taxing female products? So what's is how does it become an economic thing? I know not extending Medicaid uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia uh, or expanding Medicaid affects more than just women. It affects, what, 400,000 people? But mm-hmm. what what's the what's the rationale? If women are equal, what what are they going to lose? I mean, women still have to go to the doctors. What What are they fearing? You know, that is a really good question. But and I think it is what you said. It, it has to do with male chauvinism and its tradition in Virginia that women stay at home. Uh, the Speaker of the House will deny this, but he said openly to a friend of mine who was running for office. Uh, at the t- She wasn't running for office then, mm-hmm. but she went to see him to get him to promote a child care bill that the child care network in Virginia was supporting. Sure to ask that grandparents, I mean, that everyone has to be vetted if you keep a child yes. to keep out predators. Mm-hmm. And he refused to do that. He started yelling at her that that would affect the grandmothers in his district, that they wouldn't, they'd have to pass a, a check to keep their own grandchildren. And then he, he just kept on yelling, saying to her that women who, ha- who work should not have children, and sh- women who have children should not work. Oh my you know, God. that's backwards. That's very backwards. He denies that to this day, but she went out and ran for the county board because he said that to her. Good she her. was so appalled. You know, once, and I didn't do it intentionally, I, uh, there's a pastor who I won't name who's very much against gay people uh, and women's rights, and I, I can't even remember how I put the question, but it, because it wasn't intentional. I wasn't trying to trap him. But he said, yes, that's right. And then there was this long silence because he had agreed that all people are equal, male, female, black, white, brown, you know, whatever their sexual preference, etc. Listen, we're we're going to take a short break. This is, uh, you were right at the beginning to say there's just so much to talk about and you have such a, a grasp of all of it. But let's talk about Medicaid expansion when we come back, income parity. Let's talk about child care. You were touching on that, I believe. And equal pay, that's always the thing. What is it, 77 cents or 75 cents per dollar? 79. 79 cents. Divorce laws and the school-to-prison pipeline. And, of course, the uh, LBGT community and, and their community rights and gun violence and how much... Oh, I think last time I spoke with you more than two years ago, didn't we have a conversation about a a law in Virginia was not passed into law to prevent those who were guilty, found guilty of uh, spousal abuse? Uh, 
uh, men of spousal abuse. And then all that was being tried to, to accomplish was that for five years after they served their term, they couldn't own a gun. And that was defeated. So with all that, it's going to be a full plate again. And uh, when we come back, we're talking to Diana Igascu, the Virginia chapter president for seven years of the National Organization for Women, better known to you as NOW. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. There is no American band more iconic than the Beach Boys. Not surfers themselves, they captured the surfer aesthetic, the youthy vibrancy, the idyllic myth of their time, and brought it to us in distinctive music and song. But Love and Mercy tells a dark side to their story revolving around the mental challenges of artistic leader Brian Wilson. Genius and insanity can conjoin as twins, as it does with this musical icon. As success engulfed their band, Brian embraced the lifestyle. Substance abuse fueled festering mental illness, leaving him more and more incapable of handling the larger world. Yet, when he ultimately retreated to his studio while a surrogate took his place on the road, he still produced brilliant music, widely called the best of its time. Tragically, Brian fell into the hands of controlling psychologist Eugene Landy. Exerting extraordinary power, Landy milked Brian's assets and lifestyle while Brian himself withered away. Brilliant casting includes both Paul Dano and John Cusack as the young and older Brian, as well as equally noteworthy performances by Paul Giamatti and Elizabeth Banks. Director Bill Paulette has crafted an artistically compelling film that, through profound artistry, shares the painful fragmentation of Brian's world and ends with his redemption. Love and mercy, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. We're back with my guest, Diana Igascu, the seventh-year president of the Virginia chapter of the National Organization for Women. We were talking a great deal about ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. We need at least three more states to do that, even though it has passed Congress. Two things I'd like definitely to cover, Diana, at the very top of this segment. One, tell us, I know you've seen the Richmond General Assembly in action. We'd like to know something about what that's like. And the deadline, you mentioned for the ERA to pass, a deadline. Is a deadline normal for an amendment to pass? Is that the usual? Before we came along with the ERA, no, it wasn't. And uh, they did that deadline in order to kill it. And with Sam Irvin, the hero of Watergate, the senator from North Carolina who insisted on that in order to get the Southern people to um, pass it. Uh. And uh, Alice Paul was still alive then, still directing the fight from the Stoll Belmont House, which is the museum, now across the street from the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And she, when the day it didn't pa- that it passed, they found her crying in the back room because she said that Tam Irvin had just killed them. And they didn't understand that, but they saw it as the years went by. Yes. And so it, you know, the 15 states that haven't passed this are all in the South, except for Illinois and Arizona and Nevada and Utah. So those are the, the rest of the South hasn't passed, uh, except for, te- you can stop at Texas and Oklahoma, but go straight across 
and uh, Tennessee passed, and so did Kentucky. But the solid block across the, the uh, southern part of the United States, and that includes Virginia. I'll throw this out there. You can slap my hands if you wish, but uh, it sounds to me like uh, the solid South still, the uh, and and the, and the sort of taking a position at the beginning of the Civil War, except for the Western states, then it, it's still a mindset. Is that too cruel? No. So, um, in Utah, it had to do with religion back when ah, it yes. was alive. Uh, Nevada's working right now to pass it. It looks really good. Oh, good. Arizona, eh, I, I, they're working, but I don't know how good they'll be. Illinois has stopped it every year. They've tried for by one vote. And Illinois kind of looks like Virginia. The southern part is all farmers ah. and conservatives. So um, the cities can't carry it at this point in time. But they're going to try again this year. We're going to try again this year. Mm-hmm. North Carolina is working very hard, very hard. In fact, they've kind of become the brunt of this since we've only gotten through the Senate. But at least we got it started. Yes. Um, and other states have been working for a while. Arkansas has tried two or three times. Florida's tried for 15 years, and they've been stopped. When Marco Rubio was Speaker of the House, he didn't want this and stopped it. They get big slush funds from business, hmm. like what you were saying before, in order not to pass this. The one exception I've noticed is that commercial. I don't know if you've seen it for Bud Light mm-hmm. with the two comedians, Amy Schumer is one of them, and they're talking about the uh, unequal pay. Mm. and that Bud Light would never charge more. Well, that's not enough, Bud Light. We need you out there fighting for the whole ERA. There you go. You know, you, know, you can talk about equal pay. There's an equal pay bill that was passed by Congress in 1972, but there were no teeth in it, so nobody's enforced it, and the women's side has not had the money to take it to court. That's one of the things that keeps things alive is the fact that they have tons of money yes. for business. We don't have enough. Uh, can the now and the ERA accept uh, financial donations? Are you set up for that? Five hundred one c three, whatever. Yeah, we can. We we have a. We can give it directly to now because that's a lobbying thing. We're a five hundred one four c. We do have a three c, but it's totally for education. Uh-huh. But we also have a pack. We need in this state. We need to elect women, and we have particularly concentrated this year on that. And there are three women running for Congress in this state, uh, Democratic women. Yes, so, Jane Dittmar. Jane Dittmar, yeah. Uh-huh. And um, Fidel. Yes. You know, Richmond, around Charlottesville, and um, up in, I think it's, Luann is out toward Loudoun County and part of Fairfax. Yes. And I think there's another person running over in Tidewater that's just come into it. It's run for Rigel's seat. So women running for Congress is also on the agenda of now. Tell us about oh, that. Oh, sure. We have a pack. Okay. And we, National Now endorsed Hillary uh-huh. this year early. We were the first ones to do that. And we're trying to get with some of the Now chapters along with Virginia Now. Prince William County Now is leading the charge, which last year they had to get out the vote rally. This year we're having a, um, a Hillary rally, and mm-hmm. we're trying to get together many thousands of dollars in order to have Hillary come, because when you do that, you have to pay, not just for the stadium, for the police, the Secret Service, all those things, and you have to make some money for the candidates themselves to show up. Mm. And since this is a uh, state that's, you know, on the cusp here, yes. being blue, that she is going to be here a few times. 
So we're trying to get one of those times and, you know, put her in around Prince William Stafford in the middle of Virginia. Fantastic. Uh, it's ironic that I, I was very much a Hillary supporter when she was running against uh, President Barack Obama, and then he got the nomination. I was very much for him. And then I was, I, I was very proud of both Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. You know, the Democratic Party brings a lot of good candidates. I'm not saying they're all perfect by any means, but good candidates, solid, real patriots who care about all the people. That's what I love about this party. They care about all the people, and uh, I, um, I'm glad to see Bernie's going to endorse her, and I'm really looking forward to meeting her when she comes to Virginia. All right. Oh, I, I wanted, again, to ask you, because you were commenting off uh, uh, between segments that you've actually seen the General Assembly in Virginia in action. What oh, is that yeah, like? Oh, yeah, lobby a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, they can walk in that General Assembly building and attend any committee, meaning you can go to the, your uh, House members mm-hmm. or your senators' offices. You can you know, talk to their aides, at least, if they're not available. Mm-hmm. And you can make your point to these people. Yes. You don't have to sit outside or you have, you know, have to wait for somebody to represent you. You can represent yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you go to a committee meeting, you will be amazed to sit there and see how divided party-wise they are. Mm. Uh, sometimes they're debating bills, or they yell at each other from the, each other on the. And they sit at each end of the dais and they yell at each other. It's, it can be tense sometimes. Mm. You know, very tense. When it was that way when they were talking about the Supreme Court justices last year, and they started accusing each other of horrible things. You know, mm-hmm. that, oh, you're grandstanding, all oh, this, all oh, that. You know, he's not good enough. She is not good enough. You know, it's just amazing. I don't know. I, I guess we are, to some extent, uh, or maybe a large extent, a product of our history, but I'd like uh, the past not to be prologue. But uh, what about the uh, recent public opinion polls that are going on about uh, uh, the Equal Rights Amendment? In the U.S., it said something like 94% of uh, U- uh, America. Yeah, so it was a recent poll uh-huh. done, paid for. I don't realize, remember who did this. But uh, it was very recent, and 94% of all people in the United States want the Equal Rights Amendment passed, and over 70% believed it already passed and were scandalized when mm. they found out it wasn't. Yeah. So, I mean, the, nothing in the United States pulls that kind of numbers of in both parties, you know, to, to get that, that done. It should have been done a long time ago. But the politicians don't pay attention to people. They pay attention to the money that's given to them. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you you had mentioned before about domestic violence. I wanted to cover that. Yes. Um, yeah, the other bills in past years did not pass. This past year, there was another bill up to just to take the guns from these men and women who abused. were abused in court and found guilty of domestic abuse. Uh-huh. And they were thinking about passing it, but they were just... Hedging, 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 and they started pushing at the governor about if you, Mark Herring had just given a decision saying that concealed carry uh, weapons permits in other states should be accepted into Virginia. And they wanted to pass that, and the governor said no, Mark Herring said no. Well, they, the governor and them did a deal to pass the domestic violence bill if we allowed all the concealed carry permits in. Mark Herring was not thrilled with that. He has not issued another opinion. Mm-hmm. And so they're just hoping that their deal will hold up. But we do t- 
take the guns now from domestic abusers. I think it's just for 10 years. At least something is there now. Yes. And we should mention Mark Herring is the uh, Attorney General in the Commonwealth of Virginia. What about the school-to-prison pipeline? And, And I also want to hear the now position on the LGBT community and their rights. Okay. We're for, we're for any bills or, or anything that the LGBT community puts up. We um, stand with them because the transgenders are the ones that at this point in time are the ones that are being attacked across the United States. In yes. Virginia, too, we had a local case in Stafford where uh, the school board said that what the the superintendent had said was that the uh, kids could go to the bathroom that they felt that they were that gender. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, the parents didn't object. The local school was fine with that, but the school board objected. And mm-hmm. now they're probably going to be sued for that because the Supreme Court, <laughs> the courts have said you can't do that. Yeah. So there's where we are. But now stands with the, the LGBT community and what they're doing. And so, what was the other question you had? Well, I'm sorry, I did throw them together sometimes. The school-to-prison pipeline. Oh, yeah. That has to do with not funding the schools. And they found over time, psychologists and psychiatrists and everybody doing research, sociologists have found that if you don't spend money on your schools, Mm. and we tend to spend money in the districts where the, the parents have the loudest voice and the most money. And so you have a lot of poor schools, and those schools produce students who have not had the advantages of of the people with money, no matter what color they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't have preschool in Virginia to catch kids up before they get to school so they don't fall behind. And they have a lower graduation rate in the the poorest schools. And those are the kids that tend to end up in prison can't get better jobs. They don't see a future. They can't get any jobs at all. Mm. Well, I don't know if, I think this is true, that the state of Virginia looks at reading scores in the third grade and predicts how many prison units they're going to need in the future. And a lot of states do that because, you know, they they know these, these available statistics are out there. So this, you know, if you don't spend the money on your schools evenly and adequately, this is what you get, is populations that are not educated, and we don't have jobs today that you can be a dropout. All mm. the jobs have left the manufacturing jobs. Yes. Manufacturing jobs that are left are highly technically skilled, and you have to have at least a certificate to get those jobs. Yes. So it's kind of rigged uh, uh, against the yes. poor regardless. Um, all right. So everything, I've often said, everything could be solved by education, but you have to, has to be a good, well-funded education. Something, I know I've mentioned to you before, because I went through this with a woman I knew, was an actress I had been directing, very fine talent, and she was getting divorced during the run of the show, and clearly she was upset by it. But when I found out that she was denied the credit cards or her own credit card that she and her husband had shared, once they were divorced, the credit card company said, yes, the husband could could still have the credit cards, but the wife could not. 
And not only would they not, they wouldn't give her her own cards, they wouldn't let her open new accounts until I got on the phone. And I'm sure it was just because I was a man. And, you know, I could say that I was employing her, but still, does that kind of thing still go on? Um, the banks try to do that behind your back. Mm. Uh, the laws say they can't, but they still do it. Um, I, I personally have noticed that in our, my husband and my uh, credit scores, Mine's lower than his. Mm. Only a few points, but why? We do the same things, you know. I'm the one who pays the bill. I know what we pay and yes. don't pay. He doesn't, you know. So we have the same accounts. I don't understand that, mm. and I know that uh, a lot of women who stay home and don't go out, they stay with their children. If they get divorced, they don't understand that their credit rating will will fall mm. immediately. But it doesn't seem the man's falls. So it's still going on, and the companies say, well, she has no work, you know, background. We don't know what she's going to make in the future. Most of these women have to go to work, and their husbands don't, if they fail to support the children. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, have, we know that a lot, that, mm. that a lot of the men just become absent in their children's lives, and they don't, don't pay. Mm -hmm. So... It, it's a very big mess. All, all come together. I know I told you before that I ran in. One woman got in touch with her. She didn't know what to do because here her husband, after 25 years, was divorcing her. She's in a wheelchair. She's incapacitated, mm. cannot work. But because he has money, she can't get a free lawyer. So what does she do? Yeah. Accept the judgment of the court? Oh, I tell you, it's it's just, and, and it's important, again, I know, as I always say, it's important to men, husbands, boyfriends, fiancés, brothers, you know, uncles, sons, it's important that they see th that this is not, none of what we've talked about is strictly a woman's issue, uh, because if you want to be like those who are against um, equality and say it's about the money, well, then think about the money. Uh, it's affecting the women in your life. It's affecting their income. It impacts on your family's income, your daughter's future. I mean, it's just, it's just prevalent, and we cannot treat it as though it's just women. Even medical treatment, right, Diana? The way doctors diagnose. What's yeah, happening? All, all their tests were done on uh, men. Yes. Like uh, for heart attacks. Yes. We have different different uh, symptoms of a heart attack. We don't know those things because they put out only the list of what a man goes through. So women die more often from heart attacks than men do before they ever get to the ER. It's, it's amazing to me. Uh, we pay more for our, our doctor's insurance. Mm -hmm. So, um, and there's one thing, we were talking about Medicaid expansion. Yes, yes. In this state, we didn't have, we ha don't have Medicaid expansion. We don't have Obamacare. So when you see the exchanges on the uh, Virginia government websites, those are exchanges made, everybody says, oh, they're so high priced. Well, mm. they're made by the insurance companies. Yes. They're not controlled by the government. So that's what you're going to pay because those are what the, the insurance companies think you should pay. And Medicaid expansion, we don't have that. There are 400,000 people in this state who don't have any medical insurance, can't get it, can't afford it. So how are they going to pay those uh, fines for not having it? And this is a, the state's fault. They didn't accept these things. And it's a political thing with yes. them. Yes. 
is. Um, last year, we thought we had a winning argument. The, the Commonwealth Institute runs the big coalition we have with a lot of different people. And they went thought they had a winning argument because they found that 25,000 veterans in the state are homeless and uninsured. Mm. They went to the, to the legislators, and the legislators looked at them and said, oh, the VA will take care of them. Who cares? The VA can't take care of them. They didn't serve enough time. The law doesn't allow that until they get so old. And so you just shake your head because they say they, they support veterans. But then mm. you bring up to them that Tennessee um, uh, was talking about past accepting Obamacare last year because they had too many people mm-hmm. they couldn't touch. And one of the legislators said to, to the Commonwealth lobbyists, Tennessee was a, a, a dumb southern state, that they were the Commonwealth. Does the Commonwealth make you smarter? I don't think so. Yeah. Gee. Uh, all right. We're going to have to go, but uh, give us some hope on how we can help at least with uh, gender income parity and now an ERA. How do we find you on online, make contributions to now? Tell us, please. So go to our website, vanow.org. That's virginianow.org. We, you can donate on any page. You can designate. Do you want to designate to us specifically so we can fight the battles? Do you want to designate uh, the PAC, which we are using now to get women elected? And we're trying to collect money so we can have the Hillary rally and, and promote these uh, women that are running at the same time. So we need thousands of dollars in order to bring her here. We need thousands of dollars in order to run now we don't we are unpaid people we Mm. don't get paid to do this so we work hours and hours all the time you'll be amazed by our website because it's just so comprehensive Mm. and you can get lots lots more information there about all these subjects we put up there all right give us that website one more time diana b-a-n-o-w.org virginianow.org excellent We've been talking to and reminding everyone, by the way, on June 23rd, 2016, now turned 50 years old. So this is not a fly-by-night organization. And the, the thing that hits me with that birth date, that number of years, is that clearly it's still necessary after half of a century for Diana Igoscu and the people who fight for equality for women in the Constitution as well as everywhere else. I guess all I can say is let's make donations. I'll give a shout-out to Congressional Candidate Jan Dittmar, who's been a guest, and I know personally. Best of luck for all who are running on progressive platforms, but particularly women running for Congress and for state office. And let's, let's get this together. Let's get together. Thank you so much, Diana Igoscu, for being on the show. I really appreciate it and wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you, and bye now. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Imagine that one day another planet like ours should appear on the horizon. This is the setting for the surprisingly human, spare little story of Another Earth. 
Driving under the influence, young would-be astrophysicist Rhoda is distracted by sighting a new planet on the horizon. She collides with another car, killing the family of John Burroughs. Years later, upon her release from prison, Rhoda seeks redemption by visiting John's home, only to find a lonely, broken man. By now, it has been determined that the new planet is part of a parallel universe, an exact duplicate of our own, even peopled by our exact twins. However, when the two worlds interact, paths begin to diverge. Could it be possible to travel to the new planet? To take up a life not yet shattered by loss? Could Rhoda find absolution by starting over? Forget the preposterous science here and even the science fiction. The more intimate focus in another Earth is on the questions we ask ourselves every day. If I could begin again and do it right, what would I do? And if I could step outside myself and take a good look, whom would I see? Indie Film Minute, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Nothing comes from nothing. Some people are better at following through on behalf of others with their noble thoughts of truth, genuinely praiseworthy love, admirably giving of themselves, committed to the excellence and purity of justice for all. Still, there are no presidents, police, priests, candidates, lives of any color, and certainly no Wall Street bankers who have achieved perfection. However, thoughtful common sense reveals the bloody truth. The assassinations of President John F. Kennedy, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., Senator Robert Kennedy, and police prove enduring victories, whether revolutions or not, are not sprints but toiling uphill plods, dragging those who resist letting go of the past. Anyone can have faith, hope, and charity in their hearts and minds when guns, bombs, and trucks aren't killing people. But the real proof of strength of character is holding on when life is tragic. Real change, like healing, requires patience and perseverance, not bailing out when it doesn't go your way. Even the Marshall Plan had strings attached, so believing we are not imperialistic when allowing Caesar-like leaders to build a global empire of military bases as shots heard round the world is as self-deluding as denying melting glaciers. America is not the best in everything any more than Americans are perfect, nor, as 9-11 tragically proved, are we invincible. Nonetheless, we do have the courage to move forward with renewed hope when we prudently investigate violent origins, for nothing comes from nothing. America has been at war for 223 of its 240-year existence, and since conservatives in China, Russia, ISIS, and America haven't learned the futility of this lesson, they continue to turn those they've historically treated as worms into multi-headed anacondas. We are reaping what international banking institutions, oil cravers, and their political enablers have sowed. 
the predictable violence of Middle East hellfires stoked by Wolfowitz and Cheney, and the repercussions of an unhealthy planet extinguishing animal kingdoms, safe food, clean air, and free water. Such inhumane behavior inspires hate to lock and load. Streaming global vengeance is mine between dueling murderous religious zealots and insatiable commercial gluttons. Anyone with a fifth-grade vocabulary can stick a political T-bone in a VP-pick-P, but adult practitioners of the half-full glass know, with knowledge of our past educating the path of our future, our cup overflows with human kindness. Parable A little old Jewish lady spending her life routing the gender discrimination and religious bias of her youth, opts out of cooking and cleaning to spend her night studying law cases, was supremely knighted the little woman of the house, and therefore not qualified to teach law, at least not for the salary commiserate with a man's. Petite, only in physical stature, and following Bushrod Washington, Salmon P. Chase, William O. Douglas, Harlan Fisk Stone, Sandra Day O'Connor, Warren Berger, and Abe Fortas precedents, reserving her big legal stick, she softly speaks truth to fakery, whispering for national fact-checking. Knowledge is the power to preserve, protect, and defend. So acknowledge salacious origins undermining out of many one, with misinterpreting Bill of Rights to restrict at gunpoint our freedom to peacefully assemble, with international economic crisis, with revenge-seeking Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS, with aiding and abetting our acting out fears and hopelessness in road rage, rape, gun violence, police brutality, racial discrimination. From whichever emigrants we descend, European, Asian, African, Hispanic, Muslims, or original Native Americans, we're all in the final stages of the old guards, names like Dulles, Bush, and Coke, 50-year plan to finish off the last remnants of United We Stand and Love Thy Neighbor. We can hope elected officials on all levels rise above gridlock gunk, and that conservatives longing for a lost past, desperately latching on to a ranting Pied Piper, snap out of it. Or, leading by rational example, we can elect the reasonably humane, saying, Our best hope for America is, Give peace, unity, and civility a chance. Because... Nothing comes from nothing. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.